You want to find your tribe of raving fans. And that's just what we're here to help you do. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 360 Media, where we help entrepreneurs build better businesses by not only sharing insights and candid conversations, but by nurturing our minds as well. Get ready to explore, plan, and showcase your business, because here we go. Here's your host, Chief Strategist of 360 Media and Educator at TacticalProgram.com, Justin Lamb. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Digging Deep, where I help business owners build a better business. And today, I'm being joined by a friend um, you know, who, who's really resistant really resistant to coming on to the show, but, you know, I convinced her uh, and, but we're really, really um, fortunate to have her on the show today. Uh, this is Carmen Zajac from uh, the Zajac Ranch and the Zajac uh, Foundation. She's the president um, and she's such a wonderful person. She's so humble. Uh, and, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to have her on here talking about the nonprofit sector and, you know, the marketing that needs to go on with it, because I think, a lot profit sector is really a place where a lot of people could use the help, don't really get it um, because they can't really afford to hire agencies or hire big consultants to come in and do that work for them. Um, so I'm hoping that you guys all find it valuable. Carmen, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Justin. So Carmen, tell me a little bit about, uh, or tell our listeners a little bit about what the foundation is and get some context to, to what it is that you do and what you're serving. Well, I'll just give you a little bit of background on the foundation. It started back in um, 1987, and that uh, was following the passing of my two brothers who passed away eight months apart in separate sporting accidents. So it was a way for my mom and dad to channel their grief and, and uh, do something positive. And so they formed the foundation, which is actually the Mel Jr. and Marty Zajac Foundation, in their memory. And it was to honor their legacy and do something that would continue to go on in perpetuity. So when it started in 1987, we did a variety of different projects. It was, you know, we would do we would do fundraisers, particularly a golf tournament, and we'd raise money and give it to Children's Hospital or give it to Variety Club. And then one day, you know, my dad said, you know what, I, I feel I, I want to build a ranch. I've always wanted to build a ranch. And, you know, just because he went to camp as a child and he remembered it and he thought, I, you know, kids will enjoy ranches. They like horses. They, you know, it's got a good theme to it. So, um, so he set off to do that. And he met Paul Newman, who you may or may not know because you're quite young. But Paul Newman has camps all over the world for kids with life-threatening and chronic illnesses. And uh, Paul said to Mel, you know, why don't you... Um, think about putting up, doing a medical camp for these sick kids in Vancouver. And so we went out, we looked for a property, we found a corrections facility out in uh, Mission and we purchased it from the government and uh, transformed it into paradise for kids and families and anybody who wants to enjoy it. So at the end of the day, we've got a 42 acres out there and it's for children and uh, with chronic and life-threatening illnesses. We've got a full-on medical center that's available 24-7 for the kids while they're at camp. And um, we've been running since uh, 2000 and 2006. Yeah, and I've been up to the camp. It's beautiful. And, and it's so, so neat to see uh, the children and, and people partaking in the activities up there. 
and and really stretching the physical boundaries of some of the things you know that they're doing like some of the the activities like you know climbing the ropes or the towers and you know canoeing and and you look at the and so inspiring and, and so much life and and vitality comes out of these children um you know when when they're partaking in something that takes them away from you know the troubles that they have and, and just kind of takes them away for that moment uh, and lets them forget about you know all the things that are happening to them but but being there and experiencing things um you know like like camp does it's, it's really quite quite powerful and it's really so so great for for the people that that are attending and of course you know the foundation is also supporting families uh, along that you know route because parents are tired when they're having to deal with you know their children not that they don't want to and, and you know but sometimes everybody has a bandwidth and capacity for that and it's really hard you know as parents when they're struggling day in and day out trying to make ends meet but also you know meet the needs of their child uh, and, and you guys help support that as well. Well that's just it exactly that Justin it's it's respite for the families I mean some of these families are on 24-7 with the kids' needs, and it, it's very stressful. And some families will have more than just one special needs child, right? So it, it does offer respite, and um, which is just as meaningful to the parents as camp is to the kids, right? And you're right, when they're at camp, they get to just be kids. They forget about their illness. They forget that they're sick. And they're with other kids that also have special needs. So they just feel like one big happy family. And it's, 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 it is very, very powerful. I mean, I should, I should actually tell you a story. And it's a brief one, but there was... Um, a camper that came to camp probably for about five years and he had autism. Then he went into the leadership and training program and then he became a counselor and really incredible story. Now, when he was younger and he was in school, he was bullied. He was kicked out all the time because of his behavior. He had numerous challenges. And when he'd come to camp, it would all seem to go away. So once he became a counselor and I had a conversation with him and I, and I said, Alistair, you know, how, how's it going? How do you like being a counselor? He said, I love it. He said, you know, this camp has not only changed my life, but it saved my life. And I thought, wow, that is very, very powerful coming from a previous camper who's now a counselor and now thriving in the business world. Right. So I love to tell that story. Oh, that's super awesome. Really, really heartwarming and, and very touching. Uh, you know, and, and that's the power, like that, that's the gift that we're giving uh, these kids. I mean, you know, we might look at them as, you know, uh, unfortunate and whatnot, but they don't necessarily get to see themselves that way, you know, because camp uh, gives them a different sense of self uh, and, and gives them an inspiration and hope for, for them to be and aspire to be better, which is which is really phenomenal in the work that you guys do. So now I have a question for you because, you know, I'm curious and personally, I want to start a nonprofit. Um, and not everybody, I think, in listening here uh, knows how to start one. Um, but, you know, what are some things that we need to be uh, mindful of when, you know, kind of looking and exploring that route? Like, you know, what is really a nonprofit versus, you know, like uh, a fundraising, a charity organization? You know, is there a delineation between the two? What type of considerations do we need to consider uh, when we're going and looking at something like that? Okay, well, as a, as a nonprofit, I mean, we're a nonprofit as well, but you can actually go to the government, BC government, Victoria, and, and you can get, you can become a nonprofit without, with that being, so you, so you can go out and you can fundraise, but you don't have the capacity to give out tax receipts. So the next step is that you got to go 
to Revenue Canada back east and you need to apply for charitable status. And then that will allow you to, um, to issue tax receipts for donations. And it's a, it's a bit of a long process. It, it could take up to a year. Um, we, we went through a lawyer, so it was, because it's complicated, right? You have to fill out many, many forms and those kinds of things. And I think when we formed the foundation back in 87, it cost us about $10,000. So you, it is an investment at the beginning. But typically, I think what some people do is they'll start off as a nonprofit. They'll see if it, if it takes, if people are interested in what they're doing. And then if it does take off, then they can look at going and doing an actually charitable organization. Oh, that's interesting. And so now with that, what my question would then be, um, you know, how how do you structure it to make sure that you're not eating away at all the fundraising efforts um, from an administration standpoint? So that's my fear. Um, you know, if I'm going to, you know, create a foundation of some sort uh, to, to, you know, benefit children or whatever, uh, in the initial stages, my guess is that, you know, there's not a ton of money that, that kind of comes in, especially when you're just starting and kind of getting the awareness out. You know, how do you keep as much money in the coffers as possible without being eaten up by accountant, um, you know, administration and upkeep? You know, is there ways to look at that or? Well, you know, I'm not sure what everybody else done, but what we did is when we formed it, my mom and dad actually put in $100,000 of their own money. And it just kind of grew from there. We all volunteered our time. We didn't have any admin expenses. We got pro bono lawyers, pro bono accountants, just because they knew what we were trying to do. They could see it was good and they wanted to help, right? And it just kind of grew from there. I mean, it's quite phenomenal when I think about it. But um, yeah, so we had that initial nest egg and um, we just kind of, went from there and started doing our golf tournament instead of giving it to children's hospital, we kept it for ourselves and just kept building up that fun. And then uh, built, then went and purchased the land and built up Zaytek Ranch for children. Oh, that's such an incredible journey and story. That's, that's awesome. And so, you know, part of the, the, the process, I mean, for you guys really is, you know, in, in some sense, marketing, you know, and marketing as a nonprofit, it takes on a whole different meaning. I mean, you know, nonprofit by its very nature is like, you're not supposed to declare really a profit at the end of the rainbow. Uh, but at the same time, like you don't have a ton of money or resources necessarily to go and, you know, flush away to do like major campaigns and whatnot. You know, what type of things did you guys have to do and how did you spread the word about the foundation? And of course, now the, the ranch, like in, in the initial stages. Well, at the very initial stages, you know what, I, I think it was really my dad just picking up the phone and talking to his friends and colleagues and the people he'd done business with. And, um, and at the time, you know, he, he had a lot of relationships and still does. And so people were, were prepared to step up. And when he told them what his vision was, um, they, they believe him. They, you know, they did deals on a handshake back then, right? So there wasn't any big, huge proposals that had to go out or anything like that. It was just like, hey, so-and-so, I'm, I'm, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. I need some money. And people, would, and people would donate, right? So it started off that way. And then, you know, I think it's just having our brand out there and people getting to know us and know who we are. And, um, and then it was the reputation, right? That kind of made people want to learn more and hop on board to support. 
That's fantastic. And so how has that sort of evolved over time, you know, um, you know, into what you guys are doing nowadays with, you know, what was pre-COVID at least, um, the, the, the galas and the golf tournaments, like what type of marketing and, and things, you know, were you guys doing to, to kind of spread the word? Well, you know, our golf tournaments would have been, what would it have been, 57 years this year that we've been running it. So it's been going for a very, very long time. And, you know, we'd get 150 to 200 people at the golf tournament and we'd always be talking about whatever our current project was. And so that was one way. Um, we didn't do a gala every single year, but we had milestones like 10 year, 20 year anniversary, those kinds of things. And we would do a gala and just again, invite friends and family and colleagues of my dad and people that are prominent in the business world. And uh, just make sure that we had a good story to tell when when people were in attendance and and went from there. You know, a good story is really uh, compelling. I mean, it is what really drew me originally when, you know, we started to help you guys doing some of the video. Um, you know, the story of of that legacy piece, you know, that, that your dad has imparted upon you and your family. And then, of course, you know, what you guys are doing for children. It is really quite an enticing part of that campaign. You know, what are some struggles that you guys run up against in terms of marketing and trying to promote? Like, you know, do you, do you run into to specific issues? I mean, you know, both financially and and or, you know, literally. Uh, well, first of all, we're very careful in terms of how we spend our dollars. Um, our admin costs are anywhere from eight to 12 percent. And so that's something that we're very, very proud of. Um, so yeah, we don't have, we don't have a marketing budget per se, you know, if something comes along, we'll look at it, we'll, we'll look and see, you know, what could be the return on investment? Is it a worthwhile investment? And, and sometimes we need to take a chance and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but for the most part, um, we just try and get as much support from people that are in the business as possible. For instance, our graphic people, they've been with us for, since, since the beginning of, the foundation and they've done all our graphics all our branding for free since day one and that I can't imagine what that would have cost us if we'd actually had to pay right so those kinds of people in our lives and in our world are like a godsend they're like gold to us and so fortunately we do have some angels out there that uh, do come in and support us when we can't afford to pay right I mean we could find the money but we choose to put it towards the children and put it towards the kids as opposed to spending it on dollars. So yeah, our market, yeah, yeah. The marketing budget's very, very small. Yeah. I mean, you know, every dollar that you had to spend on marketing, you'd have to take away from, from a, a camper um, and, and somebody that you could help. And, you know, that's a, that's a harsh, harsh uh, decision to make, right. You know, um, yeah. you know, the, the progression and the, the propagation of the brand, uh, versus versus uh, the the actual mission and cause. So you know it is really great that you have these angels around you guys and and that they're helping. Um, you know how did you come across some of these angels? I mean I, I know you talked about Dad reaching out to some of the business partners and whatnot, but you know has that changed over time? Do you just have people fall in your lap and say, hey, like you guys are doing such great work? Can I contribute? Like how did how did that come around? Like you know there's so many people who believe like nothing comes for free and everything comes at a price. So you know. What, where do you find them? How, do, how, do, how can a person go and find these, these, these angels for their nonprofits? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, 
We do a lot of research in terms of um, the business community, right? We try and find businesses that currently are supporting children's causes. And so you know that they've got a soft spot for the kids to begin with. And then it's really just picking up the phone and doing a cold call and saying, hey, this is who we are. You know, it doesn't have to be a sales pitch. This is what we do. If you're interested and would like to hear more, I'd love to meet with you, right? That's sort of one way of doing it. Then we also research different foundations. So they could be private foundations that basically are wealthy families that have private foundations and you reach out to them. And then there's other foundations that... um, that uh, community foundations or service groups. And so we've reached out to a lot of them. And over the years, they've just continued to give and continue to give. Because once we've asked them, we've given them the proposal, the follow-up and the, con- the communication during the year is, is key. It's really, really important. You've got to be accountable to your donors. You can't just be calling them once a year when you need the money. You know, you need to keep them informed. You know, hey, summer's over. Here's a story I'd like to share with you. Um, or just picking up the phone saying, how are you doing through this whole pandemic? Like, how how, how are you been? You know, and just checking in with them and letting them know that, that you care. And it's not just about the check, but you actually care about them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? You know, those people who are listening, you know, that doesn't just work for the nonprofit sector, okay? Um, this is applicable to any business. You know, if you're, if you have clients, um, if you forget about your clients or you're just too busy hunting for new clients and you neglect the ones that you currently have in your roster, you can't expect that they're going to want to come and return to you, right? You know, satisfied customers leave, but raving fans never leave. Uh, and to make a person a raving fan, you have to really, you have to really adore them. You have to, you have to, appreciate them if you acknowledge them and you have to communicate with them so you know what carmen is sharing is not just applicable to the nonprofit sector take that nugget and and that success that they've garnered in their in their foundation and apply that to your own business now that leads me to a new question so small businesses are kind of easier to reach now there's an aspect of corporate uh sponsorships you know like that i think is a is sort of taboo, like mythical. It's like, how do you get in front of some of the corporate sponsors to get them on board? Because they're pulled and they've got to have like list miles long of people asking for money. So, you know, what is it that you do or, you know, how is it that you can bridge that gap to, to get your, your foundation at the top of the list to say, hey, yeah, you know, we're going to sponsor you guys this year or we're going to donate to your cause. Is there a trick? Is there something that you guys do? Do you have an ace up your sleeve somewhere? <laughs> you just send Marty because Marty's like, you send dad or Mel because you send send him because he is like charming. He he charmed the pants off of anybody. Well, that's very true. He Not too many people can say no to my dad. Um, and you know what? It's, again, it's, it's the relationships, right? So someone knows somebody and makes an introduction and, it, and then it just kind of blossoms from there. I mean, it is very hard to just pick up the phone and say, hey, Mr. Patterson, I need to speak with you. Would you take some time to call me? There's always a gatekeeper. Um, so you really need to find out the person that might have some influence and some, some connection with the people that are making the decision, right? So it's it's doing some research to begin with and then just looking to see what they've done in the past and what might make them tick and 
and then picking up the phone and just asking them the question, right? I mean, often companies want to give. They want to, they, and, and they don't necessarily know where, right? So sometimes they're looking for people to come to them, which is, which is great if, if that does happen, right? But um, for companies to engage in the charitable sector is a good thing in a lot of different ways. First of all, for the company itself, the employees, they like to see their, their organization giving back. And it gives them some gratification as well. And then often in our case, when people sponsor the camp or sponsor a week at camp or what have you, they the company will come out to camp for a day and actually engage with the children and engage in some of the activities. And I'll tell you, it's the best thing that, I mean, White Spot, Mr. Lou, Boston Pizza, they all did it. And they would have, we'd have 50 people from their companies coming out and, and looking forward to it every single year. I mean, in the case of White Spot, the president of White Spot would come out and serve hamburgers at lunchtime, right? So it was, and it was something that they could see was benefiting the um, the employees in terms of, of giving back and, and working for somebody that cares about others as well, right? Yeah, that's a big part of it. I mean, part of a corporate culture you know, if you're going to say you're going to live that corporate culture and they're talking about impacting a community, you know, there's no other, there's no other more powerful medium than to actually provide service and, and be of service to others. You know, so, you know, to, to lead by example and be able to bring your, your team members to experience and, and share and partake in that is really enriching for their lives. I mean, I, I feel like there's, there's so much fulfillment in service uh, to, to, you know, to any cause, uh, you know, if you feel like, you know, it's something that's near and dear to your heart. So it's really great to see some of these employees coming out and contributing their time and effort, um, you know, and, and helping out, so to speak, in, in your world. Now, yeah, we're very grateful. So, you know, what's on the horizon? What's what's new and trending or, or what's new in, you know, this pandemic period that you've taken and learned that you've applied to, you know, strengthen your processes as a nonprofit. You know, what do you see as the future? Um, you know, of your of your ranch and and the way that you guys conduct you know business and in, in in the sense you know uh, in terms of sponsorship and events and that sort of stuff. You know, is there anything that you've learned in the pandemic that you know that has impacted your 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 business, so to speak? Well, uh, you know, we were very very lucky. Where a lot of our donors. Our, our, our loyal donors continued to give, even though summer camp was canceled. But what we did is, you know, we, we needed to find a way to connect with the families and connect with the kids. They were heartbroken when we couldn't open up camp. So very quickly, the staff out at the ranch came back and said, let's do a family camp and we'll put everybody in separate bubbles. They'll all have their separate accommodations, separate bathrooms, they eat separately. Yes, it's not the same as having everybody together, but I'll tell you, it was so powerful and it worked so well um, that we opened up this year for family camp again. And within an hour, we were full and had a wait list. So what I learned from that is kids love camp, but guess what? The families love it too. And it gave the families a chance to come out and see their children, their sick children, get on a horse for the first time, climb the climbing wall, whatever those 
things, those, some of those activities would have been. And, and the, now the families get this, the parents are actually seeing their kid contribute and do what, what they all often thought was impossible. And then often the kids, and the, uh, the kids that are typical children, they don't get to go to camp. You know, I, I heard one time a typical child or a sister of a, one of the campers said, I wish I was sick. So I could come to camp, come to Zajac Ranch, right? So you know, it's it works. I mean, it's a powerful place to be. You're in nature. There's it's it's the staff that we have are amazing, high energy, patient, and they're there to please and just support the support the families. So I guess I guess we're looking at continuing family camps. We'll open up next summer, hopefully, to our regular medical camp where we've got. 500 kids coming, but I think we're going to look at certain weekends where we can still offer family camps because it was, it was, it was very, very successful. The fact, I mean, we have testimonials from the family saying what an amazing, what amazing week we had. Right. So there, that's something that I've learned that it's not, doesn't just have to be for kids. It can be for the family as well. Yeah, absolutely. And now in terms of fundraising, did you, you know, I mean, outside of the, the regular donors, um, did you try anything new? Did was anything successful? Was anything a big failure? Um, you know, any lessons that you took away from you know maybe trying to to try new mediums, maybe hosting events over Zoom? Did you try any of those oh, things? Gosh, that was that. Yes, we did do a virtual event because we, of course, Zajac Nights, as you're aware of, we had to cancel in 2020 or 2019, I guess. That 2019, we 2019. And then, you know, we were pushing it and pushing it, thinking it was going to happen and didn't happen. And then it didn't happen in 2020. And Laura and Sharon from Imagine That Events, they said, Carmen, you got to do something. You know, we had all our sponsorship already in place. We raised over $100,000 of sponsorship and we couldn't we couldn't do the event. So we couldn't give them their tickets. They couldn't come and network with their colleagues. Like It was just like, oh, my goodness. So we said we had to do something. So they convinced me. Um, to do a virtual event, which I was completely against because I just thought, how can you do Zajac Nights virtually? It's just like, it doesn't work, right? Because it's, you know what it's like. You're all in, at the Terminal City Club, all in one big, you know, all over the place and you're networking and you're moving around and you're eating and drinking and enjoying entertainment. And to do that on Zoom, I just thought, oh my goodness. And then it's like, you got to have it done in an hour. Well, how do you do that? And I, so... You know, with Laura and Sharon's help, I mean, we did it. We pulled it off, and I think we raised about ninety-seven thousand, which which wasn't bad. And I got some feedback from people saying it was it was it was good. They were they enjoyed it. It's certainly not the same as being live, but it came off okay. But honestly, Justin, I don't want to have to do that again. <laughs> and, and you know, for those people who are listening, I mean, a virtual event is really quite quite taxing on. Uh, I mean, it, it's taxing on everybody that's involved, more so because, it, one, it was a very new space for a lot of people. So people were really just flying by the seat of the pants. They're just kind of figuring out what is this platform capable of and how can we make it work? Um, yeah. So there's that. I mean, you know, if you go to a real gala and you're seeing all the decor stuff, like that's a lot of work, too. Um, but I mean, they're familiar with that. So they're used to what that looks like. In a virtual environment, you have an attention span of goldfish in a bowl, yeah. right? And how are you going to get that many people to be engaged and to open up their wallet books, uh, you know, and, you know, 
it, it's 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 not nice to say, but you know, the truth of reality is, is a lot of people think of it as a give take. Like I'm coming to an event, I'm having you know a good time, and it's exchange for me opening up my wallet book and you know you know donate to the cause. We don't like to think of it that way, but there is some body of people that are like that. They bought the tickets and they figure that's their contribution, um, but it takes them you know a couple of drinks in before they decide to open the wallet book a little bit more. Hard to do that in a virtual environment. So kudos to you and Laura and Sharon and the team being able to generate uh, just short of a hundred thousand dollars in donations uh, in a virtual event, you know, flying by the seat of your pants. So, you know, and, and in an hour, so that's, 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 that's pretty good return. I suppose in an hour. Yeah, <laughs> not bad. Yeah. But, you know, like you, I, I prefer not to have to do these events virtually much more uh, hoping that this year, like, like that's going to be, all set put to rest and so that next year we can all you know get back to a proper event i don't think that zajac is going to be able to do an event before the end of the year this year i think the government in this in this neck of the woods is not ready for that um but hopefully by next year we're going to be out of the woods and we can you know get back to having a good drink and i get to see your dad like cut the rug on the dance floor because that (laughs) that dude can move you know know. he is he is just a spectacle uh on the dance floor and he's just such a great great atmosphere that he provides and he's you know doesn't look like he's 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 that old sometimes when you see him boogie on the floor and just taking and just you know it's like being a camp i suppose it just takes him to a his happy place and oh yeah you know, everything goes sure. goes away so you know one thing i like to ask all of my guests uh, before we end the show is you know what is a book or a resource that has sort of deeply impacted your career or life uh, up to this point is there something that uh that sort of comes to mind? <laughs> well, you know, honestly, I read mostly anything that's related to business and charity. So business in Vancouver is something that I read religiously. Um, because I'm a nonprofit, I also get reports from the Vancouver Foundation and other organizations that uh, give to us. So I kind of focus on that kind of stuff. Um, anything planned giving. Um, I I do like to read novels, but off the top of my head, I can't think of one in particular. So I'm going with the business magazines for now. This maybe it's not at the top of your head. Maybe it's just not appropriate to uh, to announce them <laughs> online. You know, instead of the hot steamy ones. Yeah, <laughs> but Fifty the, Shades of Grey, right? There you go. <laughs> so thank you, Carver, for joining me here today. Uh, if people wanted to learn more about the foundation and uh, the ranch, where where would they go to find that? Uh, com is the website. Um, we also have a Facebook page. We've got Twitter and Instagram as well. Or they can just call me and I'd love to tell the story. Fantastic. And for those people, I'll make sure I'll link that in the description below. Uh, Carmen, thank you for taking some time out of your busy day. And thank you for letting me bamboozle you into having uh, you on the show. I knew you would be great and knew you'd be well-spoken. Uh, and I'm hoping that anybody who's listening to this uh, finds value, especially if you're wanting to start a nonprofit. Um, you know, if you're if you're looking to be a contributor to a nonprofit, um, I I highly um, suggest Carmen's uh, Foundation uh, and Ranch. It is a really great cause. I've seen it firsthand. I've experienced um, all the things that they do, and you know they, they're such wonderful people, and they they really do help children. Um, you know, really get into a place where they can believe again and they can have hope and they can have dreams. So if you, if you are into helping children have hopes and dreams, you know, my, my plea to you is, uh, you know, get onto the corporate bandwagon and, and, you know, really uh, contribute in some way, your time, your service, your money, 
uh, whatever it might be. But thank you, Carmen, for joining me here today. Thank you very much. And thank you for those comments, Justin. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next week. We want to thank you for listening to the Digging Deep podcast with 360 Media. Your time is valuable and we're deeply humbled that you are spending this time with us. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at 360photo and at Tactical Titans. You can also email us. We want to make this channel great, something you enjoy and find tons of value in. Send us your insights to info at 360photo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us reach more listeners. As always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into business and marketing.